We'll be in Mark chapter 11 today. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 11, and we'll get there in just a minute. But today, we're going to talk about prayer. Uh, we're at a passage in Scripture where we'll be talking about prayer. And there are a few things more vital to knowing God than prayer. Alongside the Bible, prayer is the, is, is the, the way we have a relationship with God. Um, we, the way we have a relationship with Jesus. And so last week, we were talking about how Jesus goes into the, the temple courts and he, he cleanses out the temple courts because what, what was supposed to be a place for the Gentiles, for all nations to pray and have access to God, turned into like a business and all this busyness without actual fruit. And so he cleared out the temple. And so this idea that we have access to God through prayer because of what Jesus did through his life, death, and resurrection. And so we know without a shadow of a doubt that when we cry out to God that he's listening, that when we cry out to God in prayer, he hears us. But unfortunately, most of us struggle with prayer. I mean, most of us, if we get past two minutes, and I mean, if we get past two minutes, it becomes awkward. We don't know what to say anymore. We've kind of said all the things we think we're supposed to say. Um, and so we don't have any sort of passion for it, consistency with it, or real honestly belief that it's actually going to have an effect. I've talked with a lot of men who, who uh, we encourage to pray with your wife, not just for your wife, but pray with your wife. And if you've never done that and you start doing that, like it's just awkward praying with your wife. If you, like you've gone two years, three years in marriage and you guys have never prayed together, like that first prayer, several prayers is awkward. And so praying Consistency in prayer is difficult. And I believe that, that God's blessed this church. In the last one and a half years, we've seen a lot of really cool things happen. We've seen men just confess pornography addictions. And I'm not talking about getting caught and then confessing, like just saying, I don't want this anymore. Like I need to talk to people about this. Like that doesn't happen all the time. And so we've seen a lot of really cool things happen in men and women's lives. Uh, I believe that we love God's word. We have good, sound doctrine in this church. But I think one of the things that we don't do well, and that's on me, is pray. We don't pray very well. And I think God has blessed this church, but God has blessed this church not because we're faithfully praying people, but he's done it despite our weakness in prayer. And so today I want to look at prayer as we're in Mark, because I think it's something that we struggle with, because we're, I'm naturally a pragmatic person. Like, if there's a problem, like, I just want the solution. I want to fix it. And so I don't go to God in prayer. Like, I want to research instead of bend my knee in prayer. I want to look for the answer, talk to people who have been there before instead of bend my knee in prayer. And so we believe, or I believe, that action oftentimes is more powerful than prayer, and that's just not true. Because when we look at Scripture, the promises of prayer— when we look at what God promises, what happens when we pray, it's obvious that we're missing out on things because we don't pray like we ought to. When we look at church history, we see there's great movements of God, not because of great teachers or preachers or doctrine, because of prayer. So we have this idea of, of, the, great, uh, of the great awakening in the, in the U.S., right? So there's this guy named Jonathan Edwards, and we actually read one of his sermons or part of one of his sermons last time, but um, the great awakening started because this man, Jonathan Edwards, wrote this sermon called sinners in the hand of an angry God. And he fasted and he prayed. And this is how he delivered the sermon. He, he wrote it out, got in front of people, and he read it. And a great movement of God went throughout the U.S. and people began repenting and coming to faith in Christ because he just read off a piece of paper. And so you don't, like, you, like to have a movement of God, you don't need 
uh, people who can talk really well. You don't need people who are great preachers or great, evangel- uh, uh, great at evangelism. But the reality is prayer is at the center of every mighty movement of God. And so um, he, God's used people with little access to the Bible, no structure or strategy in church planting. And through them, he saved thousands and thousands of people. They lacked everything that we have as a church, but they didn't lack prayer. So today I want us to think about what would actually happen if we prayed. Like if we actually prayed, like Jesus is going to talk about here, imagine what God could do with our lives, with our church, and in our community. I want prayer to move from this religious routine that we do before we eat, and I want it to move to something that becomes passionate um, in the life-giving, history-shaking thing that God ordained it to be. So there's a phrase I want us to, to get to know today that comes from the scripture in Mark 11, and it's this, wholehearted prayer moves God to do the impossible. Wholehearted prayer moves God to do the impossible. So we'll read in Mark chapter 11, verses 20, starting in verse 20. Um, and, the, and the verses will be up here as well. Uh, again, just so you see, we're not making stuff up. Although I guess I could have typed out whatever I wanted up there. But that really is the Bible. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark 11. If you don't, you can read along with us up there. So Mark 11, verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father who also is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. So last week we talked about how Jesus used the fig tree as this illustration. So, so Jesus goes to the temple when he gets in Jerusalem, he looks around and he goes, because it's late, he goes home. And then he goes back the next day. And as he's walking the temple, he sees this fig tree. And the fig tree, it looks like it's growing. It has leaves and it looks like a great fig tree, but he goes up to it. There's actually no fruit. And so he curses the fig tree. And it's this illustration we talked about last week that is growth isn't what Christ is after. Like this appearance of growth is not what Jesus wants, but he wants fruit. He wants love and obedience. And so he cursed the fig tree. Now he's coming back out of the temple and Peter sees this and he's like, he just couldn't believe that it actually happened. It's like all these things have happened to the disciples. Like Jesus has raised little girls from the dead. He's given blind men sight. He's calmed multiple storms. He's fed thousands of people with little food. He curses this fig tree, and Peter comes out, and he just can't believe what he sees. They were amazed that Jesus, within 24 hours, this fig tree from top to the root has begun to wither and decay. And then Jesus teaches them about prayer, and he he answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So let's define what wholehearted prayer is, and then ask what the impossible things God will do through it. So wholehearted prayer has three characteristics that I see in the scripture. Um, Wholehearted prayer 
is to God through Jesus and by faith. It's to God through Jesus and by faith. And so in verse 22, it says, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. So right after he, he cursed the fig tree, he goes in the temple and he clears it out and Jesus, um, and he comes back and it's withered and they're astonished at his power. And Jesus tells them to trust in God, that their prayer will only have effect, will only have power if they're actually talking to God. See, prayer, there's no power in prayer or the words itself, but the power is in the God who you're praying to. Now, that might seem simple and obvious, but I think it's something that we often overlook. There's no power in positive thinking. There's no power in just believing things. But there's power in praying to God. There's no power in repeating mantras. There's no uh, mental, ex- prayer is not like a mental exercise that gives you peace of mind. Prayer is a literal conscious plea to the God, to the creator who created all things. I think we often confuse thanking and praying. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I go, I'm, I'm going through this sermon this week, and I, this was a really busy week. Uh, last week, we had a wedding. So, sun, so Saturday, Friday, Saturday, we had a wedding. This week, we also had a wedding. Uh, Margie's friend Cassidy is also a missionary that this church supports um, in, in New York. She, she's a missionary to uh, foreign exchange students who go to NYU. And also, she lives in the midst of this Bangladesh community uh, and ministers and has Bible studies and, and, and preaches the gospel to these men and women. Um, and so she's, she's getting married uh, yesterday, and, uh, uh, or she got married yesterday. And we were really excited, so we went to the wedding. It's been a long week, and so there was little time for me to prepare for this Sunday. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm reading the scripture. I'm thinking about like, what am I going to preach? I'm like, what, what is Jesus trying to say? And I'm, at, I'm like looking, I'm doing research. What, is, what have people preached on before this passage? Like, what do the commentaries say? And then I'm just totally convicted. Like, I haven't prayed. I've been thinking a lot about this passage. And I feel like I've been putting some time in and, and really trying to seek after God and what he wants to say. But I actually haven't prayed. I've just thought about it. I just went through my mind like, God, like I really, you know, like just... Let me look and see what God's trying to say here instead of actually asking him what God has trying to say. I'm analyzing it. I'm thinking, dissecting, even seeking counsel and asking other people, but not actually praying. And so prayer is not some mental exercise, but it's actually talking to God. So think about those things that give you anxiety, frustration, stress, those things in your life that press into you Have you said to God, God, here's what I'm going through and here's what I need, or have you just thought a lot about what you're going through? Have you talked a lot? Have you sought, have you only sought counsel from other believers even? Like that's a great thing to do, but if that's all you're doing, you're not tapping in to the power of prayer. When we confuse the two, we miss out on the benefits of prayer because we're not actually praying to God, we're praying to ourselves. Or we're praying to others and we're asking others for help. We're asking, we're, we're thinking we can do it on our own. I just, if I think about this long enough and I figure out how I can get that job that I feel like I need or figure out how I can, how I can do this thing that I feel like God wants me to do, which is a good thing, but we've never actually prayed about it. So wholehearted prayer is to God. It's also through Jesus. In verse 23, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he, what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Jesus told the disciples to have faith in God, and then he made this outlandish promise. He told them their prayers will give them access to such power, they will see mountains picked up and then thrown into the sea. 
Here's what's not happening. Jesus is not making a literal promise that we can move mountains, but he's using imagery to show that with, if we pray to God through Jesus, God will do the impossible on our behalf. So through prayer, we, we have the same unbelievable access to God's power as Jesus did. We have the same access to the power that Christ used to calm the storms of life, to feed the hungry, to give the blind sight, and to give life to the dead. We have access to that through Christ. And the disciples couldn't imagine that what Jesus had done to that fig tree. He was saying, you think that's amazing. You'll see mountains thrown into the sea. You're going to do even more than I did. In John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now, this is the essence of the gospel, that he died for us, and we get access to God. We talked about last week how in the Garden of Eden, when, when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were cast out of the garden, garden and God put a flaming sword there to protect the access to God. Because in the garden is where they communed with God, where they were able to live with God and talk with God and enjoy God the creator. And they could no longer do that because they were sinful and broken. And that relationship was severed. So there's this flaming sword. We also talked about how Christ went under that sword for us. And that sword broke him, but he broke the sword. And we now have access to God the same way Adam and Eve had access to God, the same way Christ himself had access to the Father. See, our prayers hold the same weight with God as if Jesus himself were praying those prayers. When we pray, God sees a son and a daughter who's covered in Christ's righteousness, asking him a father for these things. We have to be conscious of the, conscious of the gospel, reminded of this truth, because if we don't, I feel like our prayer life will be stifled. Because here, here's what happens. Either we're bent on uh, religiosity and we define ourselves by our works. So we want to justify ourselves by what we do. And this kills prayer life because we're just praying because we know we're supposed to. We're praying because that's a checkbox I need to check off because Christians pray. And so I need to pray. And that kills our prayer life. But also, the other flip side of that is if you don't understand the gospel, you won't feel like you have access to God because you'll feel dirty, ashamed, and guilty. And look, let's be honest, you are guilty. But Christ has said, even though you're guilty, I see you as not guilty because of my life and my death on the cross. And so Jesus declares us, God the Father declares us not guilty, so we can come to him in prayer. When we pray, we must be reminded about how needy and dependent we are, but also how loved we are by Jesus. The gospel causes us to pray. So wholehearted prayer is to God and through Jesus, but it's also by faith. Verses 23 and 24 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what, we, what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Our prayers move God. When, when we actually believe that he can do the impossible, our prayers move him to do so. But our request to him must be rooted in genuine faith, conviction, 
and desire. See, God doesn't want to hear a request from distant, heart, distant hearts and doubting minds. He wants wholehearted prayer. And Jesus puts an emphasis on whether or not God moves on whether or not you believe because it's about faith. James chapter one, verses five through eight says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I think oftentimes, I know I pray for things that I don't want, and I don't pray for things that I do want. My prayers are filled with empty religious phrases like, uh, uh, make me holy, God, like change me, or um, like help me glorify your name, or heal this person, or bless this food, right? Because we, we, got, we got to pray before we eat, because Jesus did it once in the Bible. So we have to do it every single time, right? And so, so we do these things. And, and real quick, just about praying before we eat. Like, I don't want anyone here to feel guilty if you don't pray before you eat. Like, that's not something God commands of us, right? Like, you guys know that. Like, we don't have to pray before we eat. Like, we do it in Thanksgiving, but it's not a command of Christ. Like, God nowhere says, thou must pray before you eat. And we know this because we think it's okay to eat chips and salsa before we pray. But like, when that food comes, we got to start praying now because it's this this religious, like, it's this tradition, right? It's okay if you don't do that. Um, I do it because, but, I, but here's one thing I, I do want to say, and this is not in my notes, and I should probably get back to them, but one thing that I think is funny when we pray is we ask God to like bless food or make it nutritious, which I think is funny because like food is already, he already made the food nutritious, and he's not going to make that Twinkie nutritious like just because you prayed for it. Um, but oftentimes we ask God to make already nutritious food nutritious, and I feel like that's like before you jumping in the pool saying, God, please make this water wet so I can just enjoy it. Like it's just, like, just kind of weird. Um, so, so I think better thing to do, if you're going to pray before you eat, if you feel like you need to do that because it's like a good witness or you're, you're eating lunch and, or someone's going to judge you, if you feel like you need to, I think the best thing you can do is just thank God for flavors. Thank God for creating different things. Like God didn't have to create chicken or Chick-fil-A, but he did because he loves us. He did because he's a good father. He didn't have to create chocolate. He did it because he loved us. And then Satan created paleo and it's like this whole thing and they're fighting against each other. But no, that's not true. Um, That was not in the Bible. But we do these religious prayers like, God, bless this food. God, uh, make me holy. God, glorify your name. God, heal this person. And I think oftentimes, some of the the things we don't actually want, like we ask God to make us holy, make him more like us. We don't want to stop watching that show on TV. We don't want to stop doing that thing we know we shouldn't be doing. We don't, we don't actually want that, but we know we should pray it, right? And then, and then we, we oftentimes, even if we, we actually want it, we don't believe he can actually do it. We just know we're supposed to ask for these things. We hurl up these religious phrases because we're supposed to. God doesn't want just words or empty phrases. He wants hearts that believe in him. And on the flip side, I don't think we actually pray for things that we do want. All of us have those things that we keep hidden from God, those desires we never say out loud because we're afraid if we say it out loud and he says no, that it'll hurt. That we think God won't come through. We don't believe he can do it. We don't believe that he will do it. And so we just say things like bless our family and we don't get specific about how God, we want God to bless our family. We don't ask God for the things we actually want because if we put our hearts on the table, he might reject 
our desire. For a, for a year, Margie and I, and I, and I say this because it's the first thing that came to my mind. I, there's got to be better stuff. But for a year, Margie and I struggled with um, having Salome. And I, and I say this knowing that there's people in our church, people who have been in our church that don't have children and, and, and st- are still trying. But I know for a year, I never really asked God for a child um, because I was afraid that he'd say no. I know a year's not a long time. I know that. But it was hard for us because we already had one. We thought it was easy to have one. It should be easy to have two. And we were just, we were young and, and silly. And uh, I never actually prayed and asked God to give, I still never did. God decided to give us Salome anyway. Um, but I never actually asked for it. And I know it was because I was afraid that he might say no. And it might hurt. Because praying is about honesty. And see, because at that time, I didn't want Jesus more than I wanted a child. I wanted a child more than I wanted Jesus. And so I didn't want to bring that up. I didn't want to talk to him about that. But see, the, on, the wholehearted prayer would come to Christ and be like, God, like, I want this child more than I want you, but I don't want that. Like, I want to want you more. Like, could you help me want you more? And also, if you see fit, could you give me a child? Like, that's a good prayer. Like, that's a wholehearted prayer. You're praying with honesty, and you're coming before God and you're saying, this is what I want. And sometimes I want things that I know I don't want or I shouldn't want it that much. But would you help me? Like, would, like in Mark, like, like I believe, would you help my unbelief? And so wholehearted prayer is to God through Jesus and by faith. And this moves God to do the impossible. And I want to talk about two impossible things before we close. The first one is that wholehearted prayer moves mountains of history. And then lastly, we'll talk about how wholehearted prayer moves the mountains in our hearts. So the mountains of history, God is sovereign over all things. And don't let that for a moment stop you from praying or stop you from believing the promises of Jesus. Because oftentimes throughout history, men and women who have believed in God's sovereignty, that has stopped them from praying because they believe that God can do anything he wants anyway. So what are my prayers going to do? But that's like focusing on the wrong thing because here's the reality. My God is sovereign. He can do anything he wants. So I should pray to him because he can do whatever he wants. So I should make requests. Like if my God wasn't sovereign, there'd be no point to pray because he might not even be able to do what I'm asking. But because my God is in control and because my God can do anything that pleases him, I can come before him and nothing will deter his plans. Nothing will stop him. And not and, 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 and he's yes, he's already ordained how everything's gonna work out in the end. He's already ordained how who who's going to come to him, he's already ordained how all that's gonna look, he's already ordained and, and seen and, and, and planned how our church is going to move and how it's going to help the community or if it's gonna help the community. He's he's seen all that, he's ordained it all, but he's also ordained the means in which that happens. And that's through prayer. God has seen fit in his 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 knowledge and infinite wisdom that the way in which he'll move throughout history is through the prayers of men and women who love him and believe him. So we can't allow our belief of this church and God's sovereignty to stop us from praying because God has set it up so that if we believe and ask him, he can do it. I mean, he even says in James chapter four that there's, there's I don't have the verse up here, but that there's things that we don't have because we don't ask. 
And here's what scares me. Like, I don't want to get to heaven and hear Jesus say like, man, like there's so much more I wanted to do through the grove, but you guys just never asked. There's so much things, so many things I wanted to do in your community, but you never asked. I don't want to get to heaven just from like a, a, like a father and be like, there's so much, so many things I want to do with your children and with your wife that you just never asked for. Like, I don't want to hear that. There's lots of other things I want to hear, but that is the last thing I want to hear. I want us to have faith that he can do it because if we don't pray, we should have no confidence that we'll be a part of what God's going to be doing. If we, don't, if we won't be a part of God changing the city, this town, this community, caring for the orphans, reaching people in this town and the next town, if we don't pray, like we're not gonna be a part of that. And God wants us to be a part of that. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us this mission And so we should pray and he'll move the mountains of history and change the course because we've asked. And so my prayer is that we be people who ask. And then lastly, he moves the mountains of our hearts. And I want everyone to pay attention here because this is incredibly important. You might hear today what I'm saying and you might think, man, if I have enough faith, God will do anything that I ask. And that is not what I'm saying. There's this belief out there that if we just have enough faith, it's the ultimate determination of whether or not I get a yes to my request to God. And that is blatantly false. The, the, the main problem with that is going to be the Bible. And that's a pretty big problem. Our faith is not ultimate, but our God is ultimate. You could have the best, most sincere faith in the world and still hear no from God. And here's how I know this. Because Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, heard no from God. So he's, he's about to go to the cross and he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And he heard no. We'll skip ahead in Mark to Mark 14, verses 35 and 36. We'll be up here. But in Mark chapter 14, he's in the garden, sweating blood because of his stress. And he cries out, he says, And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus, knowing he's about to go to the cross, knowing that the wrath of God for for you and for me will be poured out on him so it doesn't have to be poured out on us, he asked God, would you pass this cup for me? That cup is that symbol of wrath, that symbol of anger that God has towards sin and sinners. We talked about that. He said, would this cup pass from me? Now he believed God. He knew that all things were possible through him. This was a wholehearted prayer, but Jesus heard the father's answer and it was no. The father would not be swayed at this point. Jesus would go to the cross and he would bear the weight of our sins and our shame and our guilt so that we wouldn't have to. It's here where we begin to understand the impossible things that prayer accomplish. It's not just about reshaping history, but it's about reshaping our hearts. And so we should come boldly to God and ask him for the things that we want. And he might not give it to us, but I'll tell you what he will do. He will begin to reshape your heart to want the things that he wants for you. He will begin to move the mountains in your heart so that you'll want what he wants. You could say things like, yet not what I will, but you will. Because though Jesus heard no 
to removing the cup, he heard yes to that final request. His will, the Father's will. And so God can do the impossible of making a human heart trust and obey him even when it means more suffering, even when it means more hurt, because if it means we get more of him, then that's grace. That's not mean, it's not wrath, it's not punishment, it's God's grace. So today, I don't know uh, what everyone's going through, I, I know a lot, but are there things in your life that you're not asking for because you're afraid God might say no, so you don't wanna bring, you don't wanna have that conversation I know like with my earthly father was like that. There was things that I just wouldn't even bring up because I, I knew he'd say no. I'd rather just ask for forgiveness instead of permission, right? Like are there things we just want to bring up because we're afraid they're going to say no and then, it's, and then it's like, well, I don't get what I want. My, my, my plea as your pastor would be just come before God and ask for those things. Knowing that he might say no, but knowing that he's able to give you what you ask for, even more than that. But what he might do is just change your heart to not want that anymore. And that is better. And that's better. We should beg God. Oftentimes in the Bible, it talks about begging God. There's even parables about the persistent widow who keeps coming and keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps asking until they finally give in. Like God tells us to beg him. He tells us to bother him with our requests. Just yesterday, Eliam kept asking me for a cookie and he kept asking for a cookie and he kept asking for a cookie. And I finally said, if you ask one more time, you're gonna get spanking. If you're against spankings, I'm sorry but my children have to listen to me. Otherwise, they could run in the street and not, and not listen to me and get hurt. So it's, like, it's a safety thing. So if you ask one more time, like, you're just gonna get a spanking, buddy. Like, I told you no 500 times today. God is not like that. God is way better at being a father than I am. God says, bother me. Keep asking. Keep asking. I cannot say that. I would, I would, it would not be fun. But God says, bother me. So come before God. Ask for your requests. As a church, I want to come before God. And I want to ask him to move in this town, even if it's not through us, but to move in this community. This community has a lot of issues. Substance abuse is a huge issue in this town. Foster children, orphans is a huge burden for this town. Even just things like uh, just activity, like, like health-wise, like just men and women moving more and not getting as sick. That's a huge issue in our town. In a health study, it was the number, set, number two issue. And so my prayer is that we, we could be a part of God moving and changing that and bringing the kingdom of God to Spruce Pine, bringing the kingdom of God to Mitchell County, to Avery County, to Yancey County. And so what I want to do from now on is, is we have coffee at 9.30. I want from 9.15 to 9.25 to be a time of prayer here at the Grove, praying for this Sunday, praying for the Grove. And so anyone who wants to come at 9.15, we'll just be in here, sit in the chairs, just praying. And we'll pray, we'll, we'll, I'll lead it or someone else will lead it, but we'll just pray and come together and ask God to move in this community. Ask God to move the mountains of history for Mitchell County, Yancey County, and Avery County. Like I would do a mighty work, whether it's through here or through churches across the river, I don't care. I just want a better place for my kids to live. I want people to enjoy Christ like they should and not think church is this burden or faith is this burden. God graciously gave us his only son. How much more would he give us if we just asked? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? Like we have this Father in heaven who's listening and ready to act. And so we'll um, sing a couple songs. You can sit, stand. These will be new songs we haven't sang before. And I did that on purpose because I wanted this to be more of a time of prayer than singing. But if you want to start singing, you had a time of prayer, you had a time of reflection in your heart, feel free to sing however you want to do it. Um, But just kind of think about this for a minute. Are there things in your life that you're not asking for because you're afraid to ask? I pray that you would just come boldly before the throne of grace and and make your request known to God. And that he might give you what you ask for or change your heart to want better things. Even if the, the things you want are incredible things, like children or a job that you need to feed your family. Come before God of those things. He'll give you those things or he'll give you something better, which is oftentimes just more of him. And so we'll uh, listen slash sing a couple songs, then I'll come up here and close. Before I pray, I just want to say that I know there's lots of things in our church. We're a small church. Um, there's lots of things going on in the lives of those at our church. And uh, I know today might have hit home for some of those things, and just maybe, maybe it's that we have been asking, God's just saying no. Maybe we haven't really asked specifically for those things. Um, and my, man, I, I, my prayer is just that you just continue to ask. There's no shame in coming to God and asking for things. He'll either, like I said, he'll either give you what you ask for, begin to change your heart. And those are good things. And those are good things. So don't stop pestering the Lord. Don't, he's a good father and he's given you his only son. What else would he hold from you? He maketh no mistake, so that if we don't have what we're asking for, if we don't have what we're calling out for, he maketh no mistake. Like he is withholding something. It may seem like he's withholding his grace. But when, when and earlier in Mark, when the, when the disciples went to the storm, and we talked about Jesus literally sent them in the storm. He said, get in the boat and go across. It wasn't they did something that caused the storm or they shouldn't have been where they were. They shouldn't have been in the boat at that time. They shouldn't have been in the sea. But Jesus said, get in the boat and go across. And for eight hours, they rode in a storm. And Jesus walked out there and they were frightened by what they saw. And my prayer is we wouldn't be frightened by what God's giving us, but we'd see it as grace. No matter what it is or what he's not giving us, we'd see it as grace. And that God is good and he's guided by perfect love and that he loves you. And you are guilty. You have done things. You have sinned and you do deserve God's punishment. But he withholds it from you because he gave it to Christ and and Jesus. So um, I'll pray for us. I'm gonna pray for for our church. I'm gonna pray for the community. We can't really do a sermon on prayer and not pray. Um, So let me me just lead us in in a time of prayer. Father, I uh, I just come before you, Lord, just so thankful for what's really just become a family, God. And and as people visit or come, Lord, multiple times, Lord, I pray, God, that we would just continue to knit our hearts together in such a way that um, is what we see in the New Testament. We see in Acts, Lord, just how the believers act, Lord. And so I pray, God, that you would just continue to knit our lives together, our hearts together in a way that's glorifying to you, Lord, that we would be open, so specifically just be open with our lives to one another, that we would um, let people in, and we wouldn't just wait around for someone to let us into their life, but we would go out and just, just, just talk to people. We would just be a, a people who uh, love one another, who carry one another's burdens, God, who um, walks with people through the deepest possible pain as ambassadors for Christ, Lord, as, as, uh, as 
messengers and representation of who Christ is in our life, God. So I, I pray, God, that you would do that in our community, in our church, God. And I pray, Lord, for the, for the greater community around us, God, that you would just um, do an incredible work, Lord, that, that people would be saved, God, that people would um, hear the gospel, they would repent and believe, Lord, and they'd begin to, to enjoy a relationship with you. They begin to enjoy a relationship with your son, God, and that it wouldn't be work or religion, or, um, but it would be something that's enjoyable because it's for your glory, God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for our community as, we, as yesterday, even as we saw labor and delivery in our, in our community end, Lord, I, God, I just pray that you would just do a work and keep mommies and babies safe as they travel as they deliver, God, that you would uh, keep families here. I pray that the doctors and the nurses who were uh, a huge part of that, God, um, and, and, and now don't have that, Lord. I know a lot of them have found other jobs or gone elsewhere, but Lord, but I pray that you would just be with them and guide them as they, as they find uh, new careers and, or new parts of their career, Lord, and new specializations, Lord. I pray that you would just um, give, them, uh, give them peace, Lord. Uh, in that, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just do something in this community using the grove or not, Lord. I pray that we would just get to see it, um, but we do pray that we get to be a part of it, Lord. We get to, to, to be with you, God, uh, in, in doing a wonderful work here, Lord. And I want to pray for the people specifically sitting here this morning, God. I know, I know a lot of what's going on in people's lives. There's a lot of people I don't know what's going on in their life, Lord, but I pray, God, that you would begin to move the mountains in our hearts, yes. that you'd begin to... Um, or even just continue to move the mountains in our hearts, Lord, that you would um, continue to make us more and more like Christ, Lord, that we would not um, think of prayer as something that's just something we, we do in the morning, Lord, or we do at night, or do before prayer, or for, uh, meals, Lord, but we would just be people of prayer, people who passionately love you, Lord. So give us a, um, a hunger for prayer, a passion for prayer in our hearts, Lord, that we'd be people marked by prayer, by fasting, by seeking you first, God. Lord, I love you, and I love what you're doing here, um, and I pray, God, that you would continue to do this work, and I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys more than you know. <laughs>